Hey guys, welcome to the One Closer Podcast. This is episode 105, the second episode for 2021. In this episode, I want to continue to share with you bits of my story and where the vision for Walking Closer comes from. How I basically came from a negative, angry, miserable person to someone who loves life. Okay, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. We're all formed by our life experiences, but sometimes these experiences shape us in negative ways. And the process of spiritual transformation can help undo those negative impacts so we can live life to the fullest. And walking closer is all about this journey through internal transformation where real changes happen from the inside out. Now, in the last episode, I explained how Walking Closer is all about inspiring people on a journey to becoming the person that you were divinely created to be. And how I believe as we do this, we begin to experience life in a, in a different way. And I think this is a part of what Jesus called the abundant life and enjoying, you know, just being in the present, in the here and now. And I believe this because it's well, what I learned on my journey, what my journey has helped me see. Which means that there was a time when I did not see things this way, right? Like I was, I was so miserable and so negative and so angry. and Like literally there was nothing enjoyable about this life. Like really enjoyable. But how did I get that way? Was I born that way? Well, we're formed by our experiences and choices. And so let me tell you a bit about my own. See, I grew up in church. It was a small church, around 80 or so. And evidently it was an extremely conservative church. Although as a child, I, I had no clue about any of that stuff. I just thought that that's what, you know, the way things were. Now, I have to say that I have great memories going to that little church as a kid. When I look back and think about some of the people, some of the people who were there, many many who passed on by now, I, I hold on to those memories. I hold on to them very tightly. That being said, other than the typical memories you have as a kid, the largest impression I ever see from this church was the fact that we were the only ones who were going to go to heaven. And what I mean by that is that only those who those who went to churches with the same name and who did things exactly as we did them. And then everyone else, well, they were lost. And I can remember I can remember growing up being terrified of God. It was like I had to watch everything I did or I was going to I was going to get it, right? In, in, in fact, the mental picture that developed in my mind of God was an angry, bearded, muscular white man who was off in the distance somewhere. In fact, I talk more about that in episode 50 of the podcast. And I talk about that image and explaining more about where it came from, etc. But anyways, I, I was really scared of God. I, I can remember watching, watch, watching these film strips that were designed to convince you to commit yourself to God. And in this one video strip, there was this milkman, and I think his name might have been George. But George didn't go to church, but George's wife and kids, they did. And then one day, George was off working, delivering milk. Uh, at the end of the world came. There were earthquakes, and I can remember there was a fire and chaos, and George rushes home to his wife and kids, but they're not there. And then George realizes... It was too late for him. Like he lost his chance to commit to God or, or something like that. And that little film made such an impression on me. I can remember we, we lived about two blocks from a little supermarket called Merville's. And on one Sunday morning, my mom sent me to the store to pick up some milk so we could have a breakfast before church. 
And I can remember walking to the store and tearing up <laughs> and, and praying because I thought what happened in the film I had watched was going to happen to me. Like, so George was a milkman and I was going to pick up milk. <laughs> I think that was the only connection I made, but I can remember walking on the curb of the street and my eyes tearing up because I thought I was going to hell. Now, I may have gotten in trouble that morning or the day before. I can't remember. And that might be why, you know, what triggered these thoughts. But nevertheless, I think you see the impression that church was making on my mind as a young kid. And that, and that was the impression that was reinforced over and over again in my mind up to my teenage years. And so essentially, I came to believe that life was simply about trying not to mess up too bad. So when you die, you don't experience something worse than this life. Life seemed to be more like a mistake, and all we were trying to do was wait it out until we died, hoping to make it to the good place. And then when I was around 15 or 16, I decided that I was done with it all. I was done with church. I was done with God, and as far as I was concerned, there was no God. But I have to say that in those years, there were some influences that led me in that direction. There were traumatic experiences. There was bad experiences with church. There were some personal circumstances, and there was my my responses to everything that was going on in my life. And I ended up getting into drugs pretty heavily, and, and I found myself homeless at least three times between the age of 15 or 16 till in my early 20s. And this impression I had about life, it didn't go away. It, it, again, was only reinforced by my experiences and by the choices that I was making in those experiences. But life just sucked. It, it seemed pointless. So I began to look for escapes, right? Now, up to this point, I, I probably was already doing different things to escape, but I began to look for greater things to use to escape the world. And that's where drugs came in. And once I started with the drugs, things just continued to escalate and get worse for me. As I said before, I found myself homeless several times. There, there were times I had issues with getting a job because I couldn't pass a drug test. I had no money because I was spending it all on drugs and partying. And the more drugs I did, the more I needed to do. And man, I'm telling you, I was just completely out of control. But that being said, at some point, I adapted to the drug lifestyle and being high was my reality. It was, was how I functioned and I was a high-functioning drug addict. And I can remember... Still having moments, though, moments during those times of clarity, wondering, what's life really about? Like, why are we here? Why are we conscious? Why? How do we get here? So while I was still escaping, I was still wondering, what's all this about? And eventually, I, I started believing that I might be able to find the answers through drugs. So in other words, maybe I can use the drugs to help me unlock a higher state of consciousness. I think there was even a song, a Josh Wink song called Higher State of Consciousness that had um, was popular during that time. And uh, so I thought that using drugs could help me unlock a higher state of consciousness. And uh, the thought was that the higher I got, the further out I went, that eventually things would make sense. Almost like reaching nirvana or enlightenment. So it was like a philosophical drug user. or a I was on a psychedelic spiritual journey, if you will. Well, eventually, uh, I have to say the drugs just weren't enough for me. They weren't giving me the satisfaction I needed, and they were not giving me the answers I was looking for. I, I think I began to think that drugs were just holding me back. Like I can remember thinking, man, there has to be more to life than working to make money to party. Like There had to be more to life. Otherwise, what's the point? Like Why? Why live? So, 
I quit drugs. Now, before I had quit drugs, I have to say that my journey had taken me from believing there was no God to just not being sure whether there was a God. I guess I went from being a Christian to an atheist to being an agnostic. But once I quit the drugs, I began to search for answers in other places. And eventually, I did come back to faith, partly because of science, partly because of history, and partly because of my own experiences, which led me to believing in a divine presence. But I did come back to faith. Now, just because I quit drugs and came back to faith doesn't mean that everything was okay, right? Now, at this point, I had lots of demons. I had my own baggage that I was carrying around from my own past experiences. I was still very unhappy deep down inside. I was a very angry person. Like It didn't take much to set me off. I think I was, I was looking for happiness, and maybe things looked okay from the outside, but on the inside, I was hurting. I was angry. Man, I was, I was screwed up. Like I was going to church, but I had no clue what I was doing and had no clue about what was going on inside of me. I can remember being in church and wanting something more and feeling like there was something wrong with me. I, I think I still felt like something was missing. And while I wasn't as miserable as I was on drugs, I still wasn't satisfied. But I had no clue what to do. So eventually, I think I just began to settle, thinking, like, this is it. This is what it's about. This is what it's going to be like. So I buckled down and started to dive into the Bible and the church. And a lot of things that I grew up, you know, started resurfacing. But I tried to uh, try my best to, to take it all very seriously. And eventually, I went to school, got into ministry, and started preaching. And ironically enough, I found myself back where I first started. It was like I was back in that little conservative church I grew up in. The teaching I received and the influences around me continued to reinforce what I call a hardline, angry, cynical approach to life, to existence, to other people. Like, it literally was feeding the anger and the negativity that I had inside of me. And my own anger found a new outlet through preaching, and, and, and better yet, People loved it. So I can I can remember. I can remember though, I, I believe I was preaching one Sunday morning. I was filling in for a friend at, at a church where he ministered. And I think I was still in school, and but I was able to travel on the weekends to preach at different places. And I can remember preaching a sermon where I basically blasted other churches down the street. I mean, I gave it all I had, and people were soaking it up. But that afternoon, I began to think, man, that's it, huh? Is this this all it's about? Getting up and preaching down to others about others and then going home. Like, what's what's the point in that? Where's the good in that? Like something wasn't sitting quite right with me. And then periodically, you know, through years, I would have moments like that, moments that would get me thinking and reassessing what I was doing and why. Like, I don't think I was satisfied, and I, I was still angry and miserable on the inside. Now, I'm a naturally intense kind of person, but, man, I could be super aggressive, cold, and calloused. And that was becoming tiresome, and I still felt like something, I still felt like something was missing. 
So I spent several years just working to try and be content with the conclusion that life is like one big mistake and basically just try and do the right thing and make it out of here. And the right thing at that time was basically supporting and spreading the doctrines of the church that I was a part of. And at that time, though, I was in central Louisiana. And then we moved out to a small town in West Texas. And let me tell you, I went into that place pretty arrogant and prideful. I, I actually thought I'm going to come in and, and, and show these people how it's done. But I have to say, <laughs> the total opposite happened. I learned so much from these people and from being there. It was one of those places where I, I all of a sudden was being forced to face situations that challenged me in so many ways. And, and I was all of a sudden faced with situations that I had never been in before. That, but before ever being in those situations and seeing other people in, the, in those circumstances from afar, I you know, thought that I would handle those things differently. But I had never been in those situations. And now I find myself there and I saw things differently. I was not aware of details and circumstances that I wasn't aware of before. Like, I had a different perspective now. Things were not as black and white, but when I tried to approach them like they were, I basically got schooled. And th there were some bumpy times, and I, I did respond and make decisions that I now regret. But in the moment, I thought I was doing the right thing. But the problem was, I was not being motivated by love. I, I was more motivated by being right and with, with literally no regard for anyone else. But I have to say, the people there... People were so patient with me. I think they were showing me how to love. And I don't know if they knew they were doing this or not. But I only now see it looking back. But it was a place that was transforming to me. And of course, I was still struggling with feeling unsatisfied. And I was doing lots of research. And I was learning and growing. In fact, this is where I was when things really began to change with me. And I began to question everything I had ever been taught. I spoke much about this in the previous episode, and it was in this little West Texas town that things began to drastically change for me. Now, there's no way to go into detail about everything, but let me share something with you that was pivotal amongst everything else. So at some point, I decided that I wanted to preach a series on 1 Corinthians 13. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a section of a letter in the Bible that was written to people who were living in Corinth. And it's all about love. The writer basically personifies what love is, what love does, what love doesn't do. And I had never preached a talk from that section. And I couldn't recall ever hearing it being taught in my whole life. Now, it doesn't mean that it wasn't, but if it was, I definitely didn't catch it. So I set out studying and preparing a series from this section of this letter. And let me tell you, it opened up my eyes. Like, I can remember thinking, where has this been all this time? Why haven't I ever heard this? Like, why wasn't I taught this? Like, it was a major moment of clarity for me, and I knew that there was no way things were going to be the same. Like, this is going to change everything for me. And I can't remember as a kid if I had ever been taught about love. But I know for a fact that I had never heard anyone preach or teach on this since my early 20s when I came back to faith. And let me tell you, I listened to lots of sermons and lectures through the years. And now there I was in my early 30s and just now learning about this, learning about love and what love really is. You see, in my life, while people said things like God is love, the conversation though quickly turned dark and vengeful, like the picture that was painted of God did not compute with love. 
And no matter how many times it was said that God was love, it did not register. Like God's love was wrathful and vengeful. And, and so saying God is love really didn't mean anything. It just, it just didn't compute. But now things were starting to come into focus just, just a little bit. And I started seeing God just a little bit different. Like I even started seeing other people in my life differently. I realized that there were people, there were people in my life who had really shown me love, but I just didn't realize it. One thing that was clear about all else was I had not been a loving person, and I wasn't even sure how to start. But, you know, that was one among many moments where I had come to realize that I had not been taught everything I needed. I had many more moments uh, to where I came to realize that what I had been taught wasn't necessarily correct, right? And that season in my life was very humbling and very life-changing. Like, it was a period where I changed my mind on a lot of things, and it was only the beginning. But I still felt like something was missing. But I definitely felt like I was making some progress. So I had enough energy and drive to continue the journey. And eventually, we moved on from there, and I continued my journey. And the more time that passed by, the stronger my desire to figure out what this missing piece was. Yeah, I was learning, but I still felt unsatisfied. Eventually, though, I had worked myself so hard that I experienced burnout. And it was so debilitating to me. Like, it was a major struggle to reset and recover. But in the process, I did learn a lot about myself, especially during that time, which was a major plus in my journey. See, I'm, I'm on a journey, and I think this is extremely important. I am on a journey. You are on a journey. You are not on my journey, and I'm not on your journey. I'm on my journey, right? And it only makes sense that I become more self-aware and understand the reasons behind why I respond and react the ways that I do on my journey. Why things affect me the way they do? What's, what's at the core of who I am, my identity, my character, my heart? And while there may be parts of that process that are uncomfortable and painful— the very notion that I can become more and more self-aware is fascinating to me. Like, I'm not just mindlessly floating through life. And as a human, who I am, who we are, it, it's intricate and, and it's mind-blowing. It, like understanding our makeup, just the ability to be able to understand our makeup, that's inspiring to me. And obviously, I didn't realize it at the time, but even going through some burnout, and the process of recovering was so life-giving to me. I can even now see how it was transforming my perspective on life and what I was looking for, why I was still feeling like something was missing. And then at some point, I had decided that I needed to do a little retreat. I really felt like I was at a crossroads, and, and I wasn't sure what, what direction I needed to go. And I know that doesn't explain much to you, and there are a lot of gaps here, but my search for that something that was missing had led me in a direction where I needed to make some big decisions that could be life-changing for me. See, I was contemplating getting out of ministry, but I wasn't sure. It's because I, I really believed that I was called to this, and, and, and I could even look back on my life and give really good reasons for why I believed I was called to do this. And when you believe so strongly about something like that, you, you can't just take it lightly. Like You don't just dismiss it so easily. But I was wondering if maybe my time was up, if, if it was time to move on, if what needed to be accomplished had been accomplished, and I needed to know what was next. Hopefully that makes sense to you. 
So some friends of ours had some family land in East Texas and built a cabin out there, and they offered it to me to use. And so I accepted, and I began to prepare myself to go out there. I remember driving out there. I drove out there, and, and when I got there, let me tell you, it was beautiful. Like I couldn't believe something like this was in East Texas. Like They make postcards out of places like this. It was so beautiful. It was a cabin on a hill on the bank of a lake in the middle of the woods. That's country to me. That's paradise to me. And when I stepped out, let me tell you, I almost just broke down immediately. It was, it was so peaceful and calming, and it was exactly what I needed. See, I was so worn out from this journey, and I needed this place. And the time spent there, so special to me. That that place has become very special to me, and I've been back several times with my friends and family. Uh, but I have to say that something happened while I was there that was another pivotal moment for me. And I talked about it before, and, and I'm telling you, it just never, never gets old. So I was trying to settle in. I was, it was the first night there, trying to settle in and just get used to the silence. And I remember thinking that I was going to probably go out on the lake in a canoe the next day. But I was sitting in the cabin, and after I ate supper, and, and, and I, I was sitting there, and I thought, go in the lake right now. So I did. I didn't think anything of it. I got on the lake. And I was in a canoe on the water. And I was struggling to maneuver this thing because th this lake is surrounded by trees, and the wind was coming down off the trees so strong. And... Uh, it was coming down in multiple directions, like depending on where you were in a lake, you were being, you know, you were being pushed in one one way or the other. But I finally figured it out and started to get the hang of it all, and I can remember it just felt so surreal. And at some point, while I was out on the water, I had, and I had so many thoughts that were going through my mind, but all of a sudden, the thought came across my mind: just trust me. Now, I heard it in my own voice, but in that moment, I knew that wasn't me. It was a voice. It was in my voice, but it wasn't me. Like, it startled me. It was like, in the moment, I instantly knew what it meant and where, I had, where it had come from. Like, I didn't question it. I still, to this day, haven't questioned whether that was for me or God. It was distinctly not me. It was shocking. It was surreal. It was, it was almost scary. Like, cause in that moment, it was like I was snapped back down into reality. And I, I, and I just knew. I was overwhelmed. And, and I could tell you much more about that retreat that reinforced what I heard. But just know that when I left that place, I left with a sense of direction. Like, I believed and trusted that I was called to be in ministry. And I had acted accordingly up to that point. But when I left there, I continued moving forward, trusting that I would be guided on my journey. I was just going to trust, and it actually felt really good. So a few months later, someone called me up out of the blue and wanted me to pray about considering applying to a ministry position in the state of Washington, right? Beautiful place. My wife and I said, well, if we're going to trust God, then let's go along with the process and trust that either this is the next step, or if not, then there is something to learn from this. And so we went into that situation with no expectations at all. I mean, we just trusted, and it was so freeing. And at one point, I even said in an interview that 
I didn't know if I was their guy or not. All I knew was that I was trusting God. I had good reasons to trust that either this was a door being open or there were some things we needed to learn, or maybe they just needed to hear my story. And that was the most enjoyable interview experience I ever had. And it was a process. It's a process that lasted a couple of weeks. But ultimately, I wasn't their guy. But I learned a lot from the process. And the biggest thing was this. I experienced what it was like to actually trust, to actually live by faith. Then the next summer, I was given a sabbatical. And during that sabbatical, I went on another retreat to this uh, little cabin called the Half Lady. Unique story. I'll tell you sometime. Now, on this retreat, I was going to focus on some personal things, and, and I was also going to be diving into pr- into prayer. See, there was I've always been there have always been some things about prayer that have puzzled me, and I wanted to dive into it and see what I could uncover. So on this retreat, I read several books about prayer, and I journaled and and took notes, right? Uh, The books that I read were from an ancient perspective, and so while they were enlightening in some ways, reading those together were enlightening in probably an unintended way. See, these books helped to paint a picture of prayer as something that was beyond just asking God to do things for you. Like, I realized how prayer was actually a discipline that helped you become more aware of God's presence. Now, that being said, these books were making it seem like the only way to be aware of God's presence was to essentially become a monk, like to attract this world and live in solitude. And that just didn't make sense to me. So so what about me? What about countless others? Like, I get the benefits of solitude and silence from time to time. Like, who, who wouldn't like that, right? But if these ancient authors were correct, the only way you can become aware of God's presence was to reject living in this world and go live in a cave, And maybe I'm exaggerating that, but you get the point. I I thought this can't be right because then it would be an impossibility for majority of the people who have to work and who have families, etc. I mean, you essentially couldn't be a normal functioning human in society and have a keen awareness of God's presence. I thought that just, that's just absurd. And to me, it, it echoed of that same notion that I had grown up with that had been instilled in me from early on. And it reinforced uh, really in my 20s up until, you know, my, my 30s, that this world was a mistake, that we are just waiting to die and, and, and to leave it all behind. And until then, try and avoid yourself of life, and, and, and maybe you can be in or, or, or become aware of the presence of the divine. And that just doesn't seem right to me. It, just, it leaves me with more questions than answers, and I thought, that just can't be. Like, the only way to become aware of God is to become unaware of the world? Again, I get the benefit of solitude and silence. But come on. Is this world one big mistake? Like, is there nothing enjoyable about living in this world, about creation and existence and consciousness? And so, in that moment, I remember the thoughts just came to me. In, In that moment, I decided I was done with these books, and I just needed to step away. And so I did. I stepped away during the remainder of the retreat. And then after that, it was, I guess, a few hours later that the thought came to me, I think I am done with this retreat. I think I'm ready to go home and to see my family. 
And one thing I didn't mention was that during this retreat, I did some work to help me discover some hidden issues that had been honestly weighing me down. Like they had, they had to do with someone in my family from my past, someone who was no longer in my life, but I was holding lots of anger towards them. And uh, I, I did some work to help me, I don't know, begin to let go of that anger. And so a lot of good things happened on this retreat and working to release some of that baggage uh, that had formed me and affected me for a long time was, was so beneficial. And I, and I felt the effects almost immediately. And so as I said, I was ready to go home and to see my family. So I needed to be out of this cabin by the morning time, the next morning. And it was about eight or nine the night before. And the home was about an hour and a half away. And, and I thought, man, I, I could make it home at a good time if I leave now and surprise the kids. So that's what I did. And I can remember driving down the road, this road close to my house. And on this road, there was this dip. Um, and before this dip, there is this mailbox that let you know, you know, the dip is coming up. So it was like a landmark, something that I saw. Now I've driven this road countless times, but this night seemed different. Let me tell you, when I saw this mailbox, I just smiled, and I was so happy to be on this road. I was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. And then I turned down the street to my house, and there was this overwhelming, profound sense of gratitude for living on that street and pulling up to my house. Like, it was so surreal. I came inside, and all the kids had already gone to bed, but they all got up and greeted me at the door, and I was overwhelmed with this sense of joy and gratitude. Then it was around 10.30 that my wife and I went to our bedroom, and, uh, you know, sometimes we would watch Jimmy Fallon. And I like to show, okay, and sometimes it's funny, and sometimes I don't, I don't get the humor. But, but that night, I, I was so filled with joy that everything seemed funny. Everything seemed so funny. And that night, I laughed and simply enjoyed the smallest things. And since then, I haven't, I haven't looked back. Now, I realize there are a lot of gaps there, and there, there, there's just a, these are just snippets of a much larger and more detailed story where each moment led to the next. And there were so many little and big things that I learned from research and study, and, and most importantly, I believe, from firsthand experience. But above all of it, I've learned a lot about myself and how much negative past experiences can affect us and suck the life out of us if we don't face them. I have to say, I no longer necessarily feel like there is something missing. I see life as something to be enjoyed and live to its fullest. And I do believe Jesus actually shows us how to do this. And I believe that's how I've come to these conclusions. So in a nutshell, that's walking closer. Like, and that's some of my story behind my approach. That's the journey I have been on and still am. And it's a journey I want to encourage and inspire you to be on as well. So, there it is. From misery to life. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace. And I'll talk to you soon.